Welcome to the Scuff Podcast, where we talk about U.S. soccer. The U.S. drew the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia 0-0 at an empty stadium in the southeast of Spain on Tuesday. It's difficult to imagine going into a World Cup with less momentum. No goals in the final window, very little real chance creation, no evidence that we will ask difficult questions of any of our opponents in November. There are some mildly optimistic ways to think about what will happen in Qatar, and we will get into those, rest assured. But I got to say, Greg, it feels a lot like it did after we lost to Panama a year ago when you said essentially no weight should be given to the long-term project that Berhalter was building. Is that unfair today? No, I think it's totally fair. I think... I think like the dominant theme going into this window after, you know, the roster release and some of the controversy around that was system. And we talk, we've been talking about Greg Berhalter and his system uh, since since his first January camp of 2019, when we saw the inverted right, right fullback come into the middle and play center mid. Uh, and ever since then, we, you know, we constantly talk about the system and it's capitalized in our voices. Um, <laughs> but But the thing is, like. There isn't really that much of a system, right? I mean, the, the system itself is not particularly rigid or specific. Uh, so it almost starts to just blend into at this point. Just, we're just talking about profile, right? So when we talk about we want a forward that fits the system, um, there was nothing about either of these two games in this window that showcased like what that sort of platonic system forward does. You know, if, if the idea is Berhalter prefers a, a forward like Ferreira who can come into the midfield or, you know, come in and combine never did that in these two windows right he, he's not doing it um so if if the system isn't actually what we're doing on the field and I, it's hard to even call it the system it, like his system is basically just uh our it's, an, it's an aspiration it's an aspiration yeah right? and, and even then i'm not even sure what it's like we're literally just talking about what's our shape and build up in possession is it a three two five or is it a two three five and that's you know like if you're if you're saying that that's a system that we're beholden to like that that to me isn't really a system right it's it's that's that's stuff you you can announce on a chalkboard two days before the game. It's like, OK, we're playing and we're going to try to do the three two five. And if if the press comes at us with an extra player or one fewer player, then we move one of those three up. Like none of this is detailed, complicated, super sophisticated stuff. Uh, it's it's just it we're I mean, at this point, we're just talking about our possession shape. And so. Uh, so, yeah, so I guess I guess that's all a way of saying like. It isn't. It didn't look very good in this window. It can look better uh, in a month. And and you know we we're talking about the the comment I made about this was after that Panama away loss, mm-hmm. and our next game was Costa Rica at home, and it was one of our better games. Like you can turn this around because it's not all that we're not doing complicated stuff, uh, despite the all of the emphasis that, that the narrative puts on the capital system. Yeah, you know, I mean, one thing worth noting is every time we've had a really, really low point under Burhalter with our sort of our backs against the wall, we the next the next performance has been pretty good. Uh remember we lost we lost at in Toronto against Canada 2-0, came back and crushed them in the next leg of that Nations League tie. You know, obviously a little bit different stakes and level of competition there. Same thing happened after, like you said, after the Costa Rica game. Um, yeah, so I mean, I mean, that gives me a little bit of optimism. Yeah, the, the optimism is that we don't need uh, the system to come to fruition. We literally just, at this point, I mean, it doesn't have to be Greg Berhalter doing it, uh, but 
we just need at this point a coherent approach in a game where the players sort of line up roughly with with what we're trying to accomplish on the field or what the opponent is sort of uh, allowing us to try to accomplish the way they're set up and then and then we just hope that the the talent and the variants play out the way we need them to on the day i you know there are, people are thinking a lot of different ways feeling a lot of different ways people in the fan base that is today and i i thought i'd try to like pick out two sort of pessimistic ways to look at it and and i have three optimistic ways to look at what's happened and you know what will happen how what does it predict about qatar the big so let's start with the pessimistic ones the big doomsday take and it's not a new one i mean it's been out there basically since jay berhalter was still the chief marketing officer at ussf is that greg berhalter is just incompetent he's not up for the job there have been some moments against an apparently, I mean, now we know an apparently pretty weak Mexico side, but still Mexico, moments against Mexico and, and here or there otherwise where we've looked pretty good. But for the most part, I would say it's we've slogged our way through soccer games under Berhalter. And now we're leaving off Brooks, John Brooks and uh, Tim Ream in favor of Aaron Long at center back. Uh, we favor... Ferreira and Pepe over for one for one Sargent Josh Sargent at least in minutes in this camp and then even more Jordan Pifak who is the you know he is the starting number nine for the best team in the Bundesliga right now and I gotta, team, I gotta quibble with best but continue the, the yeah, point I, the point the point right now right now are the <laughs> operative words right uh the they, they have the most points there you go that's that is an accurate statement <laughs> the team isn't playing the U.S. team, that is, isn't playing with clarity or confidence and really hasn't consistently ever. And now we're less than two months from the world, the first World Cup game. Berhalter was a mistake. Now we're paying for it. I think a lot of people are feeling that way right now. For sure. For sure. And that, and that comes with, you know, what Berhalter's mission was, you know, his stated mission, which was to disorganize the opponent with the ball. And now in our penultimate or our, you know, our, our window, our preparation window for the World Cup, we we play a game where we generate like one and a half shots <laughs> over 180 minutes, right? It's, yeah. a, it's abysmal in the chance generation process. And that's that's what, what I am all about is you have to be able to generate chances uh, and deny your opponent chances. That's what we're keeping track of. So it could be where we don't score goals, but we were peppering the frame for 180 minutes and that just happened. This was not that. Uh there, there was not, uh, there was not an XG number to be proud of here. Uh, for, less for than attack. one, less than one for the two games cumulative. Oof, oof. So, so yeah. So I mean, it's very easy to look at that and be like, he, he it was all snake oil. <laughs> and if, and if we lay the, uh, if we lay a uh, September window sized egg in Qatar. Uh, I don't think there's any way around that. Like he, he couldn't do it. He couldn't get the team organized because again, I know we're missing some players and hopefully some of those players come in and do help us, but we yeah. have good players on the field, right? We had solid players on these, on the field and to generate so little uh, with these players is, I mean, in part, like uh, it's, it's not all on the manager, but I don't think there's any question that um, we lacked like any kind of coherent play in, in the game against Japan uh, in Saudi Arabia. We were, um, we were still bad in Spain against Saudi Arabia. We were still bad, but we were bad farther up the field, at least. So that that is worth something. Like we, we had some clear ideas. We had some clear ideas in this clear, game. Very clear ideas. 
clear ideas of how to get the ball up the field, um, which is, you know, we played what Saudi Arabia gave us, and then very few ideas on what to do once we got there. And if you've been listening to our uh, women's national team recaps, like the themes there were totally present in this game against Saudi Arabia. And uh, the the extreme difference is that while the women get those chances in like overwhelming, overwhelming volume where they mm-hmm. might not be very efficient, we still didn't get them in that kind of volume, right? Like they, the women get up the field anytime they want. They just have the ball in the final third. We got there reliably, but it was like, you know, we had to, we had to earn it a little bit. And so yeah, once every 20 minutes. Yeah. 15, so once minutes. we're up there, then to, to waste the chance with some super inefficient decision or execution just like hurts more. It's like, Oh, what a, you know, what a, what a waste of um, being in a good, good position. Yeah. We'll our crossing here for a while. Our crossing in particular was just not effective. So the, so the other, the other big doomsday take these days is that, the kids are overrated. You sort of alluded to it. The kids are overrated. The big clubs where our guys play or have been playing, uh, have been eating suboptimal performances from them, from these young American players, because they prioritize long-term development, which is great, but it means we, we may have an inflated view of how good some of these players are right now. This is a idea from Bob Morocco. I got to cite my sources here. The, that, so he's not arguing that that the kids are overrated necessarily. He's just saying this is a this is a possible reason why we have all these kids at these big clubs. Um, I keep calling them kids; they're they're men. We have these these guys playing at big clubs, um, but this is a reason that maybe that's not quite as much of a predictor of how good they're going to be for the national team as maybe we thought it would be. And it seems to me that this is at least partially the case. Um, but in any case, I think other people would go further. Like these guys aren't any good. Pulisic's a squad player at Chelsea now, more or less. Uh, McKenney plays a lot at Juventus, but he hasn't been playing particularly well all season. And the club is doing very poorly, especially by their standards. Dest is, was run out of Barcelona. He's very much a second option at Milan. And that's not going to change anytime soon. Reyna's never healthy. Adams and Aronson are straight up system fits at Leeds for an American coach. But despite all the excitement over that club, including on this podcast, they're very much fulfilling specific roles and doing that adequately in a way that doesn't necessarily translate to the national team. And then we got Jedi, Eunice, Reem, and Scally. They're the guys starting consistently in Europe for a good club. Scally just had to beg his way onto the field for Burhalter. Uh, Jedi's hurt, obviously. Eunice is hurt. Uh, Reem is not even in camp. So maybe we're just not even that good. Forget Burhalter. We're just not that good of a, of a player pool and a, not that good of a team. I mean, I'm okay with that. I'm okay saying that we, we might absolutely like overrate how good the players are. Uh, and I, I try to like stay grounded in the sense of, uh, you know, we can be good relative to our own historic pool while still yeah. recognizing that, you know, the players that we're super excited about, um, the real national teams, uh, have those players by the dozen collecting dust back home while, while they're, while they're winning their trophies. So, uh, so that, that is a real thing, but what it goes back to for me then is like, we do need to recognize that. And we do need to say, uh, and Berhalter essentially said this before the window, like we aren't the most talented team, so we need to be co- cohesive. We need to be coherent. We need to have a clear plan with everyone pulling in the same direction. Yeah. Um, and that is exactly what we did not see in this window. Right. Uh, so the doomsday here is like, yeah, we aren't the best. We are, we are not going to be the most talented team in our group 
you know, I don't know when we'll be, which games we will have a like overall talent edge. Uh, but we, it is imperative that we have a clear plan and, and a clear like uh, willingness to execute that plan from every player on the field and all the way down to the 26th player. And, and so that's the big that's the big worry here is that we didn't see any evidence that that was going to be the case in this window. At least. We've seen, uh, you know, other games where we have looked very coherent. Um, and so I think, yeah, the, the big question, I'm sure we'll get into it with the optimistic uh, alternatives. Is that Jedi unison way I come in and save the day? <laughs> yeah, that's the next one. Because, I mean, you, if you, you could say, well, no, Berhalter's okay. He's not that bad. I mean, nobody's saying he's like a, a brilliant soccer coach at this point, but maybe he's not so bad. And, yes, maybe, we, maybe we're not – definitely we're not a soccer power in terms of the talent that we have at our disposal. But we have enough talent to challenge a good national team from England and maybe beat them on, our, on a good day. <laughs> The issue, so the, so people who are thinking that way, and I would like to think that way, I want to be thinking that way, is that it's all good. So these are the optimistic takes. It's all good because Yunus Musa solves a lot of our problem against Japan and some of our problem that we had against Saudi Arabia of chance creation just because he's so individually good at getting the ball and carrying it forward. Obviously, that would have helped us against Japan, and we talked about that in the Japan recap other one, like you just said, Jedi, bring Jedi and Weya in. Jedi provides some forward thrust on the left and a lot of defensive stability. Weya, um, I would say, will make us 25% more effective in the final third. It's and, huge. I mean, that's, these, are, these are big differences uh, if you can get these upgrades. And, and, you know, obviously there's no guarantee we get these upgrades because injuries happen. So maybe we get one of them back or two of them back, but we lose somebody else. You know, Jedi comes back, but we lose Dest. So it's still going to be you know, Yedlin on the field and uh, Yedlin may not have been like atrocious yesterday, but to, to get those little upgrades um, in multiple positions can go a long way, especially when, again, the system itself is not some special savior. Like we don't, we clearly are not at a place where you just plug and play and it's like, oh, well, because the system is such a well-oiled machine firing on all 14 cylinders. I don't know anything about machines or cylinders. <laughs> Every engine has 14 <laughs> cylinders. Then, uh, you know, we, it, it doesn't matter. We can, we can survive these injuries because we're so, we're such a, you know, prepared unit. Uh, and we always have our personnel lined up with what is going to actually take place on the field, uh, with our player selections. So since we know that's not the case, then it really does come down to like, okay, well, can getting three or four of these guys back be uh, enough of an individual upgrade in those spots? Uh, and, and, and also like a collective upgrade, like I'm, I'm sure you're, you know, Tim Weah will make the players around him better. We see how McKenney combines with Weah in World Cup qualifying, and it's, it's different than what he's going to do when DeAndre Yedlin's hugging the right sideline. Yeah. So, so, you know, there are these, these uh, cumulative effects of it upgrading individual players. And I do have like some real optimism that that can play out. Me too. Me too. I think it's, uh, it's not, it doesn't make us, uh, a world cup contender to get these players back, but it makes us a lot better than we were yesterday. I think, um, some other optimistic takes, and these are kind of weird. Well, one's, one's not weird. The second one's weird, but this one is, uh, the chaos of the typical world cape. I'm sorry. The chaos of the typical world cup game state works in our favor. No, we cannot disorganize an opponent with the ball in a sterile European stadium environment or a hostile Central American one for that matter. But 
That won't matter when the whistle blows against whales. It'll just be a war out there, maximum intensity, lots of like duels and individual brilliance will take over. And the dice is kind of going to land where the dice lands. We just got to hope that, you know, it lands in the right place for us. And that's kind of how it's going to be no matter what. That's that's the historic recaps talking, right? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> where you watch and it's like, okay, well, we weren't brilliant in 2002. We weren't playing brilliant football. Uh but we sure did like sneak up on Mexico once with a, with a late run from Claudio Reyna wingback and and Mexico crumbled a bit with some yep. other choices and 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 yes that can totally I mean that can totally and nobody happen. could watch that game and say that we had eleven better players than Mexico did <laughs> you know but we won two zero so yes I, like the I'm not nearly as doomy and gloomy as I think the the overall mood is at the moment just because again. Uh, like I, I know it, this this can happen. Like we could go to Qatar and have this window play out three three in three straight games and be like, well then, <laughs> this journey we have been on uh, may have been may have been the wrong choice for our <laughs> for our experience. for our lives <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for whatever disposable time we had. But it, it very much could just be you know we go out there and we look like a competent soccer team and Tim Weah uh, carries the day. Uh, and Jordan P. Fox scores on a, on the, on a, one of our three corner kicks and we sneak three points out of Wales and we, uh, back our way into the second round. That makes me want to play a clip from Burhalter. He, he was kind of cryptic. He was asked in the post game press conference, um, you know, what clarity he got from this, uh, from this window. Let's listen real quick. Yeah. I, no, I think we got some clarity. You know, we, we talked about it today with the group and um with a coaching group and you know i think things became pretty clear what things things <laughs> which i i mean he's being kind of cryptic there i think he's he's probably talking about the player pool and you know who's going to qatar but he's not going to he's not going to drop that news in the in the post game press conference that's my take on that yeah i think so too i think i think if it if it were a lot of positive things, because uh, you learn both, right? You learn positive things, you learn negative things. If it was positive things, I feel like you would have had no problem going into it. Like we, we learned that, you know, this avenue of attack or possession uh, is a really strong, uh, you know, he, he could definitely do that. We didn't have a lot of those things. Um, no. And if it's negative things, a good coach isn't going to lay out like, well, we what we learned is we absolutely cannot trust Mark McKenzie on the field. So he's, he's no longer in contention for a roster slot in Qatar. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to say that out loud to the press. Uh, that would be bad coaching. So, uh, so it's, it's probably just a matter of like some, some people maybe eliminated themselves. Uh, some, some, it could be that some styles of play have eliminated themselves, or at least with certain personnel groupings. Um, and, and so again, I get that that just sort of fueled the, the doom, the doominess and the gloominess and a little bit of sort of the outrage um, because it feels like such a dodge. Uh, but yeah, it makes sense that if, if we've got a lot of negative information out of these windows, which we did, you're, yeah, you're not going to just outline it in in public. We right. don't air that out. Let me give one more optimistic take before we get into this rather not optimistic performance. Um, no, this one fits under optimism, not because it's like so good, but just because it argues that these matches are not predictive, kind of like the last one did. Uh, it goes like this. The kids would have played better with more energy and more belief 
in front of a real stadium crowd, maybe home fans on the East Coast, than they did in these empty stadiums in Europe. Now, obviously, there's the travel considerations and finding an opponent issue that that may explain why we played in Europe. I mean, the travel considerations do explain why we played in Europe, right? But the good news is we won't play like that when the whistle blows in Qatar in front of a full stadium. And I think, you know, somebody made the point on the Scuff Discord uh, after the game that when Gio Reyna went down injured, which has, you know, that's been a saga. His hamstrings have been a saga. When he when he basically subs himself out 30 minutes in or 25 minutes in, really, uh, that may have taken the wind out of the sails of the entire team because it's just kind of a sad thing. You know, that compounded with the fact it was an empty stadium sort of might explain the listlessness of the overall, I mean, listless is a little strong, but it wasn't, might explain the the lack of energy in the, the performance, I guess. It wasn't listful. It wasn't listful. And, no. and that, that was both, it was both matches. And I don't know how much, you know, the, the Reina thing uh, put a damper on it. Like, obviously that wasn't the case in the first match, right? No. The first match we were just listless. Um, so maybe we were ready to bounce back in match two. Uh, but but the other, the other thing that played into it, and this is not an excuse, by the way, but like Saudi Arabia were very, very listless as well. And yeah. so, you know, you can't use that as an excuse uh, to to match that lack of energy. Like you've got to You've got to be like, oh, we are going to punish them. If you're going to come out and play like this, we're not just going to like play even slower. Like we're going to we're going to like exploit your uh, lackadaisical play here. And we're going to we're going to like. I mean, you got to take them to the shed at that point. And we just we just didn't seem interested in doing that particularly. Like there was a lot of. You know, again, we'll get into it in the chronology, but a lot of these balls we were hitting up over the top well to gain the ground that we gained. Um, you know, the ball's traveling 75 yards. The players have to cover that distance too to join, you know, whoever's receiving the ball. And that that's where that's one of the areas we were just lacking. Ball goes up to Yedlin way up in the corner. And like Acosta's not working hard to get up there. You know what I mean? Like we we aren't working hard, even Gio Reyna before the injury. He, they, they aren't always working hard to join. And to really be like, oh, we are going to, this is going to be a stampede of attackers. Let's score a mother freaking goal. Right. You know? It was, it was very much just like, okay, ball's up there now. And you, everyone sort of trotted at the same pace. Um, and that was like, that's why we were bad once the, once we got the ball into the attacking third. One of the reasons. Yeah. I noticed that uh, there was a Yedlin cross. We'll get into it later, but Yedlin cross that gets cleared out to the top of the box. And then Acosta has a left footed shot. And maybe this is the one you're thinking of. But uh, Reina had played a really nice one-two with Yedlin to, to lead up to that. It was a, a difficult return pass to spring Yedlin down the line. And I noticed that Reina was just sort of, he just sort of was veering off towards the sideline, kind of admiring his handiwork. When if he had, you know, if he had, as soon as he played the pass, just started drifting towards the top of the box, he, he that ball comes right to him. He settles it and he has time to do something with it. As it was, he was a little bit behind Acosta, who was not also also was not like on the spot, and Acosta had like a left a left footed first time shot from twenty five yards, which I mean ninety nine times out of a hundred that's not on frame, you know. The low xG chance, yeah, uh, that was exactly it, and I, I remember that play as well. And and what I remember thinking of is like what we want to have up there once that ball goes upfield, so we don't just have to hit. Uh, you know, an aimless cross is we need a triangle. We need, we need people up there to triangle and do, do a little bit of soccer. Uh, and we never got the third man up there. It was always just at best like two players. And at times no one would join it and just be Ariola up there having gained some ground. But like he has no one to play soccer with. Ariola's not going to do a bunch of people one v one. Tim Weah might, 
Um, so all he's going to do is fire them all in. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, it was, it was, it was like clear that we just didn't have the full commitment once we gained the ground to keep playing out of it. The other thing that could, you know, work in that situation is to cross it to a forward who's very good at heading a ball into the goal. Who could bring, that be? We didn't bring that guy. So, so we didn't do that. We Let me play it to worse headers. Yeah. 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 Pepe's not bad. Scored a goal with his head just a couple weeks ago, but he was uh, he was bracketed by center backs. And let's be honest, kind of little brother throughout this game. Um, let me play a Berhalter clip on confidence and what he thinks. You know, his opening statement in the post game press conference on what he thinks went wrong. I think it was a, a positive step for the group. The intensity. Well, he'll um, get desire. to what he thinks went wrong. Um, you know, against a tough opponent, a compact opponent. Um, happy with that, uh, not happy. I think with the execution, and I think you, it comes down to a little bit of tightness, a little bit of uh, lack of confidence, and um, anxiety. And I told the guys, you know, I feel for them. It's, it's a difficult situation to be in. Um, everyone's fighting for for roster spots, and um, you know, instead of coming out and, and really performing like the team we know we are, um, we lacked a little confidence, and that I think that hurt performance. There were certainly spaces to take advantage of today and we didn't do that enough let me just before you respond greg uh let me just play one other clip because jeff carlisle from espn asked him to drill down on what execution he didn't think was up to snuff i think it was a time a timing issue you know we had a number of good runs behind the back line maybe the pass was off a little bit the time was off a little bit that didn't lead to direct goal scoring opportunities um maybe the touch was off and then we couldn't cross it when we were in good positions Maybe the cross wasn't as accurate as, as it could have been. So, like, we were we were just off on a, a number of plays, and and I think that has to do with the confidence of the group. Well, one thing he doesn't bring up is that what you just brought up was the, that there wasn't there weren't enough people joining into the attack. Yeah, and Berhalter's talked about the, the crosses all the way into like early in World Cup qualifying about how like we didn't get enough early crosses in, and like well I well I understand that early crosses are more valuable than crossing in general. Once that touches off and the early cross is no longer on, uh, which, again, takes really good timing. You really need DeAndre Edlin to take that ball first time uh, to be able to hit an early cross into your streaking striker. If that doesn't happen, you shouldn't just surrender the, the field position, right? You shouldn't just surrender it and just be like, oh, well, plays off. I'm still going to cross it because that's what we do here. And that's what the sort of frustrating thing was. It was clear that we were, like, going with the long balls. You know, Saudi Arabia offered no pressure on our center backs uh or anyone deep with the ball at their feet so we could just stand back there and watch our wide receivers downfield making these routes and it was fun to watch that as a fan you get to do that too because with no pressure coming on the center backs you know usually when there is a little bit of pressure that tension exists and so your eyes are sort of trained to follow that tension when there's none as a as even somebody watching at home you can kind of drift with with your attention and watch these rotations right and watch yeah. uh epi drift just a little bit towards one sideline and then McKenney sprint into that space. And and the key here is it's not always going to be the first guy it's on. So the defense will react to that while there's still no pressure on our center back. And so then it's not on. Hulsik has now drifted into the space McKenney's in. And for just a split second, the defense lets their guard down during this rotation. And then Pulisic will go, right? Or or uh, the Serginho Dest will go. And it's like, oh, now that's on. And, and so we would either, you know, miss that. Sometimes you're always going to miss some of those. Uh, runs, but we were finding them often enough. So again, it was clear that this was something that we were focused on for this game. And so the frustrating part was 
apparently no focus on what to do once we had done that. Like the actual patterns that we executed once we got up there were non-existent. Yeah. Yeah, because we, we actually executed those those diagonal balls pretty well. I mean, Zimmerman was pretty well keyed in with that ball. Uh, actually, Yedlin played a few of them that were pretty nice. Tyler Adams played a couple. It was hit it to either side. Um, but we once we once we received it, yeah, there was nothing. And I and that reminds me of you know Doyle Matt Doyle posted a clip of a of Serginho Dest dribbling up the left sideline and then playing a pass to to Pepe's feet. And Pepe is getting smothered, but he does manage to lay it off towards the center of the top of the box. Yeah, just into a pocket. He just lays it off into a pocket. Yep, which is, you know, uh, that's that's what he had. That's the option he had at that moment. And and you want to see Christian Pulisic making that run. I do at least saying like, okay, that ball's that ball's maybe probably going to get to Pepe. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a run at the top of the box, and he never does it. And I think that's this is a little different than us doing the diagonal and not knowing what to do once we get on the ball down there. But it's uh, that it's it's an I guess another example of people off the ball, not just right off the ball, but like maybe a few steps away from the ball, not really joining in and getting after it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I also think in that particular case, uh, it, again, we, we were doing these rotations, right? And McKenney was clearly becoming a, a, a forward or an attacking player, similar to the way our vertical half-space merchants would tend to do. Um, and in this in this play, like, Pulisic had dropped back and McKenney had gone up. So they've switched spots. And at that point, like, the run uh, is going to probably need to come from McKenney as the more advanced player. Pulisic would actually be, like, the late-arriving runner. He's in the late-arriving role. And he might have been able to do it, too, if he'd been a little bit more, uh, if he'd anticipated this a little bit sooner. And again, broken hard early, break hard upfield early. Uh I just want to see somebody break hard early off the ball, <laughs> like once. That's, When's the last time we saw that? That was about what was missing, right? And so, again, the, the hope there is that this is that, that we're just getting friendly uh, timing on our break, on our on the hardness of our breaks. Uh, <laughs> Some soft breaks. <laughs> I mean, Tim Weah, Tim Weah breaks hard off the ball. He does. And I, I know people are going to be like, well, you guys are just bells. You're just, you have a Tim Weah agenda. And maybe I do, but. He does. He move, he moves off the ball really well. Should we do the lineups? Yeah, let's let's talk about who's actually in this game. We've probably mentioned everyone at this point already. Yeah, I'll give the Saudi Arabia lineup. They they were technically the home team. Is Al Yami in goal? Al Hanam, Al Amri, Al Bulahi, and Abdul Hamid across the back line. Al Hassan no, Sharahili was the number six, and then Al Hassan and Aldo Wasari were the other uh, midfielders. Al Janjay, I'm sorry, Al Janjay, Al Birikan, and Bahebri were the front line, and uh, Al Birikan and Bahebri were the probably the most dangerous players for and, them. And kind of, what we kind of talked about here with their shape is, and this was kind of really interesting, and uh, I don't know if we'll see this again through the rest of this, uh, you know, two months of the cycle that's left. Um, they, they played a really high line, which is how we were able to hit those balls in behind. But they, again, put no pressure on our on our back line. So it was this very strange setup. That uh, again, I don't think too many teams are going to employ that. So I don't know. I don't know how much even. You call it a mid block, right? Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's a high line. Like what I'm expecting from Wales, I don't think they're going to really come out and press us. But I don't think they're going to offer all that much space behind either. So like it was a really it was a really compressed 
mid block, right? Super low line of confrontation, super high back line. Uh, and, and that's the why upshot, it was. The upshot was it was impo- basically impossible to play through on the ground. Like there was, there was no room to, to play to somebody's feet in between the lines. Cause the lines were like five yards apart, uh, <laughs> five yards behind the half line, you know? Yeah. And, and again, no reason to, unless, unless you really wanted to commit to like that training session idea of a friendly, uh, because again, we, we had no real issues eventually hitting that long ball into somebody and the, the long ball execution was pretty solid. Um, especially in the first half, second half, we got a little bit like just too, uh, I don't know if I want to say greedy, but just like, oh, well I should hit this long ball. And it didn't matter whether or not the timing was there or the, uh, we'd created the little, um, the little uh, like napping situation where we get one or one weak side defender to fall asleep. And so we can hit somebody in behind. Uh, we were just hitting it to nobody uh, hitting it to like double coverage. So uh, second half, I thought it fell off quite a bit. Um, but in the first half, yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty, uh, pretty simple stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do like a couple quick passes on the left side. And then we did, I thought a decent job of switching it quickly to somebody who could hit a hit a ball to the other touch line. Um, all right, the the uh, the U.S. lineup was Turner and goal, Yedlin, Zimmerman, Long, and Dest across the back line. Just don't understand why Aaron Long is starting in these games. Personally, uh, maybe you can explain it to me, Greg. Uh, Adams at the six, Acosta, McKenney at the eights. Acosta gets the start. I, th- I think Luca Della Torre was not great against Japan, and um, I don't know what choice Berhalter has in in this camp other than to throw Acosta in there. I thought maybe Acosta could pull out a good performance, pull it out of his hat in this game. He didn't really. Um, and then we got Reyna, Pepe, and Pulisic across the front line. Pepe gets the start over Ferreira and Sargent, who at, at the end of the day only had 45 minutes in this camp. Yeah, the the long one is a is an interesting one. Maybe Berhalter didn't know how Saudi Arabia were going to play, but again, it just goes back to like if the number one criteria for inclusion for our center backs is to be able to play a high line, it's a it's just a silly number one criteria unless you're going to commit to full Red Bull ball soccer because you can you can't always determine whether you're going to get to play a high line, especially if when a team lets you have possession, you want to try to do like deliberate buildup which Berhalter does, right? I don't think there's any chance Berhalter is going to fully give up on like this kind of deliberate buildup. And Long is so, so, so ineffective in it, Uh, especially left center back. He might be a little bit better if he could be the right center back, but he can't if Zimmerman's playing. They've like never done that through going back to 2019 when Zimmerman and Long play together. Zimmerman's on the right, Long's the left. The universe of passes that Long can't make when he's playing left center back is, is a, I mean, it's, it's most of the universe. Right? Like he, <laughs> he can't, he can't hit any of those long balls. It's a non-starter. He did. Hit, he hit one. He hit one long ball successfully in that game. He attempted like three, and the other one, one of his other ones was like the low light of the game. Yeah, uh, it was pretty. It was him and he and Acosta kind of competed for the low light, but that one was. I think that one was clear. So he's not going to attempt them, and he shouldn't attempt them. Right? It's not. It's not in his skill set. Uh, but he also can't hit like basic rhythm passes around the back with his left foot. Like he won't do it and he probably shouldn't do that either. So you're, you're playing him there. He can't keep the ball moving out to our left fullback. He can't like hook it around 
the corner as our left fullback advances up the field. Right. So you're you're putting him in the spot for any kind of deliberate buildup where he's he just simply can't execute what like even a basic uh center back should be able to do. Not even like full on John Brooks distribution, um, but just like the basics that he can't do. Um and if you're not able to actually get into your high line, then he is basically a he's hurting you. I mean, he's hurting you by opportunity cost in a big way. Oh yeah. So, I mean, no doubt. Uh, so we saw all these balls that Zimmerman's hitting. We're talking about the timing. It's like, we, we've mentioned this before. It's not like people are only getting open when Zimmerman has the ball. There are people who are getting open doing these movements and these rotations when Aaron Long has the ball too, uh, but he can't hit them. So it's like we lose half of our ability to, to, to ping these uh, players in by playing a guy who can't do it in the center back. So, uh, well, you know, I'm seeing some things like, well, we don't need Brooks because Zimmerman has gotten so much better at this. It's awesome that Zimmerman's gotten better. It would be fantastic. It was like, oh, thank God. Now we have now Zimmerman doing improving. This gives us two center backs at the same time being able to pick these soft spots in the opponent zones. But we don't. We're back. We're still just handicapping, handicapping ourselves uh, by just giving ourselves one center back who will do this. That's my Brooks play. If Brooks gets two games for Benfica between now and in the World Cup, he should be uh, he should be on the plane. What about Tim Ream? For me, Tim Ream would probably be an, an able John Brooks stand-in if, if Brooks isn't playing. And I know you know people are gonna like people always kind of bash the, the Tim Ream. The people asking for Tim Ream because it's like, oh well, uh, nine months ago you didn't want him on the field at all. And it's like, yeah, we probably didn't want him on the field as much when we had John Brooks doing it. Uh, but if Brooks isn't playing and we're seeing just total Keystone cop stuff from everyone else playing uh, like Reem totally makes sense. Um, you know, there was also, there's also new information about Tim Reem. He, he had never hung in the premier league before he had played in the premier league a few seasons and they got, his team would get relegated every time. Usually like on almost like historically bad defenses for the league. So this is new. What, what Reem is doing right now is new. Uh, and so, yeah, like if, if the choices are, like the clown show that we've kind of been seeing at left center back through this window, uh, then give me at least like uh, a guy who can ping a decent ball um, yeah. against good opponents. I think, I think Aaron Long's situation has changed too. I, I, I think he's a great, he, for one thing, he's a great story of like sticking to it and making a good professional career out of you know humble beginnings. He was a USL player and he worked his way up. Um, and I think he was actually a better player two years ago than he is now. I don't know. I'm not saying he was a better passer or anything, but he's uh, he he did he did deal with a bad injury and he's now back from it, and that does have an effect on people. So I'm I'm I just want to throw that in there as a sort of sop to long because I I don't I don't hate the guy. Um, what about Chris Richards? I feel like he would. Um, He's at, he his situation is a bit complicated because he's not playing much at Crystal Palace and also he's he's hurt. I don't know how he got hurt. I guess in training, um, but he can he can make those passes. You know, uh, not, he, he, I'm not saying he's Brooks level passer, but he can hook it around with his left foot to the fullback who's advancing upfield. He can find people between the lines. Uh, I think he's we we mentioned Wea Jedi and and Musa as players who will make a big difference for this team. I think. Richards could as well. And hopefully Berhalter has him. If he's not going to bring Ream and Brooks, which it doesn't look like he is, uh, hopefully he has Richards sort of penciled in as the starter next to Zimmerman. 
wouldn't surprise me if he already has that as his, as his thought, you know, before Richards got injured in January, it sure seemed like it was going to be Richards, Miles, and uh, Zimmerman is sort of the, the three taking yeah. the minutes. Um, and so wouldn't surprise me at all now that Miles is hurt that it's a clear, it was a clear two uh, for Berhalter. I, but it's tough, again, when, when there are no minutes to be found at all, whether it's by injury or even once he gets back to Palace healthy, uh, there might not be minutes for him. That's a tough spot to be in as a coach to put in a 21-year-old. Is, is, what's Richards, 21? I'm just going to say 21. Roughly uh, 21, yeah. A 21-year-old center back who's not playing soccer at the moment. Like, that's a big ask. Uh, you know, if you want to turn to a, a John Brooks or Tim Ream, when Tim Ream was playing for us, he, he wasn't playing in the Premier League. He had been benched for Fulham, but he was still playing for us. Like, that's a little bit of a different story. The dude's, you know, he's 39. He's He's got a ton of... <laughs> he's not 39. <laughs> he's got a ton, I think he graduated, like, in Greg Berhalter's class. They were the same class. They went to the same high school. He's, he's got, like, he, he's got some experience, right? And John Brooks has this experience. That's why, for me, like, Brooks plays a couple of games. He's... He's fit. He's he's in for me. Um, if it's just pure soccer uh, decision, so Richards is just a different story, right? I, I mean, based on what we've seen, I probably would ro- roll that dice uh, with either Richards or CCV uh, again. But those are, it's you can't say it's not a dice roll at that point. Yeah, no, we that's weren't true. rolling rolling dice this badly two months out, but that's where we are. Okay, let's get to the chronology. Um, there we go. First thing that happens is a chance for Saudi Arabia, 20 seconds in. They kind of cut through our right flank and uh, across from over there, skips through, uh, kind of cut back cross, skips through, and it's met by Al-Hassan, uh, number 15. And he hits a good shot from zone 14. Turner saves it down to his left. This is this is literally just a throw-in. Like, we just got done badly on a throw-in, and it was like uh... – it was maybe just us being a little too eager. It was Yedlin and, and Acosta down on our right side, just deep in our half. And um, they both just like chase a player, one player up towards the thrower. And it's the most basic movement for the other Saudi Arabia guy to just run behind DeAndre Yedlin into the giant space uh, at the end line. Um, and it's just a very simple throw at that point. And the guy just whips it across and we're kind of uh, all kind of hustling to battle stations and it hits a nice window and, Decent smack at the goal. Yeah, pretty, like, not that difficult of a save, I guess, but a save nonetheless. Uh, it's, a, it's, an early, it's an early ding against Yedlin for me because, again, he's, he's supposed to be, again, he's the veteran here, right? He's the guy with World Cup experience. So if he's the experienced guy who's supposed to do all of these little things right, like giving up that ground, that, that pitch control mistake right there, like, that's a, that's a warning light. I did not. I was not impressed with Yedlin very much in this game. He had some some moments. Um, second minute, uh, I clock a missed connection from Dest to Ricardo Pepe, and uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but I felt like it was on Pepe because he he sort of he's coming back towards the ball, but he doesn't take a very useful approach angle for Dest, considering the window that Dest has to pass into. So Dest's pass misses Pepe completely. Now, I think it could also be, I mean, there were, there were like three of these from Serginio Dest, and maybe it's because he's just not playing very much and his, his rhythm is just slightly out of sync. But I do think, um, in this case, Pepe wasn't moving into the window that he had to pass into. Yeah, and you're, what you're hoping is that we have dozens of these kinds of passes into our, into our forward checking in, um, at least in, in the game where we can at least try to play this way. Again, this might not have been that game because of how compact 
uh, Saudi Arabia were, and it may just have been the better decision most of the time to use Pepe's checking back as the decoy and then look for that McKenney or, or that vertical run over the top. But, uh, but yeah, I agree. This was just a, I don't, I don't put too much into it for either uh, Pepe or Des. I feel like we have to uh, because we had so few chances to actually gauge what Pepe did. And that's still the open question, right? Is whether or not anyone's doing enough to make their case for striker. So we really have to magnifying lens it um, on, on each little movement and thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just Des. Des does all this difficult work down in the left corner. He did this a few times yeah. to get out of a situation. And then he has, you know, he has these small windows to pass through. And, and it was Pepe in this case. There was one where Adams wasn't, you know, kind of moving into the window. That that was a, it's a moving window, you know. It's not, it's not just in one spot. Adams wasn't moving into the window after Des did like this really good work to get out of a situation. And then it Adams misses the pass and it ends up being a chance for Saudi Arabia. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, nope. we got a lot more to talk about here. That's a good point though. Just because um, that's something you get from Dest on the left. Like, I don't think he does all that if he's playing on the right where, but he's basically cutting in against pressure as a way yeah. to solve it. Uh, yeah. Cutting into his right foot. And then he did find several little passes uh, to essentially beat, Saudi Arabia's first line of pressure when they're in the limited times that they actually tried to pressure us. Yeah, it's he Dest. I thought Dest was fine, you know, and, and you get to see that. That's an interesting point that he doesn't do as much of that on the right side. I never really thought about that, but it's true. I think, um, fourth minute Reina waltzes around a guy on the counter deep in our half and then tries to play Pepe in behind and Pepe's a step offside just inside the Saudi half. I mean, the magnifying lens is saying here that Pepe should have stayed on side. I mean, this, especially in retrospect, we didn't have a lot of chances to score. He can do a better job of timing his run here. Uh, my magnifying glass is saying forwards should try to push that line when they can and that you're going to get called off sides. I think, I think John Muller had a great piece on, I think it was Muller. It could have been one of the other, one of the other uh, clever nerds. Um, just that like, one of the key indicators that the forwards in, in good form is actually like the volume of offside calls they get. A high volume of offsides means you're really getting played in behind a lot, which is a good indicator that uh, you're getting on the ends of through balls a lot. So again, if, if we had a bunch of these chances, Pepe would get would stay on side for a few of them, and that's what we're looking for. The, the magnifying lens really for me is just the presence. We talk about presence uh, of Gio Reyna here. Yeah, he's so good. What a difference maker he will be uh, in the hypothetical where he's healthy at the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna that's coming up. We're still twenty minutes out from that on the timeline. Um, f- fifth minute or right at the end of the fifth minute, beginning of the sixth minute, we get a lovely combination play from Pulisic. Uh, he plays it to McKenny. McKenny bounces it back to him. Pulisic plays it to Pepe, and Pepe flicks it in behind for McKenny. Pretty cleverly, I thought it was a nice pass, but McKenny's way offside. Um, just, I guess that goes back to timing, to quote Greg Berhalter. But that was a lovely bit of combination. Maybe the prettiest thing we did all game just <laughs> happened to be completely moot. <laughs> it was good. It was a good. The, the, the buildup starts with Zimmerman hitting a nice switch over to Dest. And then this is what we want, right? We want our best players cooking together. And we, we, got, a little, we got, a, got a little look at it here. Just need to do this again. Same with that uh, rain of ball to Pepe. We just need we just need ten of these situations a game, right? In addition to several other 
avenues of attacking. Yeah. So like we need like 40 good <laughs> things to happen. A lot of AVPs in there. Seventh minute. Uh, I just noticed that Pulisic and Des did well to win the ball back. Pulisic intercepts a cross field pass with his head. Ricochets behind Dest and he corrals it and turns and races upfield and pushes it to Pulisic, who draws a foul. I just thought that was good, solid soccer from them both. Showed they were both kind of keyed into what's going on. Um, seventh minute, a good ball from Zimmerman to Pulisic. So now we're going to start talking about this revenue stream of hitting it over the top. Um, and Pulisic squares up his guy and then hits a harmless left-footed cross over the area that Yedlin collects. <clears throat> And then Yedlin plays a pass that's a tad too hot for McKenney. I don't, and I don't know if this is McKenney not moving, not staying light on his feet, or if it's Yedlin just not playing a very good pass. But McKenney only gets a touch to it, reaching back toward his goal and gets blown up. He sort of lays on the ground for a while. Saudi Arabia racing the other way, just not sharp enough from Yedlin and McKenney, probably both. And I thought McKenney was going to have like you know he was quite poor against Japan. I do not think this was the bounce back performance from him that we uh, kind of were either. I was kind of hoping for, I didn't think he was very good in this game either. So I, I, I'm going to put a little bit of this on pool too. Cause I feel like uh, his, his delivery um, wasn't what the situation called for. Uh, like he, he wasn't hitting this with his left foot into like any windows where there were any U S players. He, he couldn't really drop this on anyone's head. So for me, this is another one of those, like, I, I think back to Raheem Sterling when he was sort of just becoming the attacker that he was, where he was hit, hitting his peak, was when he learned to, like, dance at a guy, and then when it was shut down, if there wasn't anything there, it's okay to just sort of stop right there and and pull the ball back out, right? Pulisic has Serginho Dest arriving late. There are no numbers in the box. I mean, we have three guys in the box. But Saudi Arabia have six. So it's like, at this point, look, and it's not on, but we have great, gained all this valuable ground. Bring it back to Serginho Dest. Let him look at the whole box and, and see what can happen. And so this was one of those things where, the, if you want to call this the early ball, the one he chose, it's not on at all. We're not early anymore. Saudi Arabia are back. Like We've got to be willing to pull out and play a little bit more soccer. Yeah, good point. It was not on, and even if it had been on, it wasn't a good ball. Anyway, it was way over the – went way over the goal. I mean, over the area. Uh, good ball from – Zimmerman in the ninth minute to McKenney, So another one of these diagonals and he takes it down and cuts inside. So, so cuts, cuts his guy to the inside and has a shot from the top of the box, but it's very tame on the ground. I think he will do better. Most times he takes that shot, but uh, it didn't, it, it wasn't particularly dangerous once he took the shot. I, I hate the shot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's any surprise. We so again, this is one of the best situations we got to in the entire game, right? We have McKenny and Pulisic, and then Pepe with them, three v three, at the top of the box. Like for me, taking a shot from twenty two yards, like past a body, is like a surrender. Like I feel like we have to. I think you have to press that advantage as far as you can, uh, and not take like an off balance shot. So I really needed him to. Uh, Try to work with Pulisic. He he could move it on to Pepe and keep moving after that. Uh, I mean, the guy, the defender on McKenney's going to ground. So if he can move this ball to Pepe, even if McKenney can't get back into play, like it's two v two now. Um, yeah. So so anyway, just another Pepe'll, example. Pepe will play a quick one two there too. I mean, it's, it's he he loves that kind of thing. Yeah yeah yeah. So so again, 
this isn't like an unforgivable decision or anything. It's just a matter of like over and over and over again, we made what I sort of considered the, a suboptimal decision in these moments and they don't present themselves all that often. So we really, that was the biggest thing for me in this game was to see if we could clean up these kinds of uh, decisions. Once we get the ball into these uh, danger adjacent territories. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure you're not going to like the decision on the next one either. It's in the 11th minute, another good ball to McKenney. This one over the top from Tyler Adams. He runs onto it and, but squares up his guy and tries to float a right footed ball into the box. It gets blocked slightly and, and just sort of turns into a Texas leaguer to Yedlin on the other side of the field. We try McKinney's side again with another diagonal and he just dribbles out of bounds under duress. Yeah, I, I didn't like this one at all, in, in part because, again, McKenny, you're, you're the guy here. And, and the guy running closest to you in this situation was Christian Pulisic. So it's like, you two have to do this. <laughs> like You don't hit the ball over to DeAndre Yedlin to make him do it. It's DeAndre <laughs> right. Yedlin. Right? Like, you guys need to do this. You, you step up here and you two solve this two on two at the corner of the box. Like, don't, don't just uh, don't give this away. To, don't hand the ball off to somebody else in this situation. Uh, loved the... Lo- the the key on this play to initiate it was one of the Serginho desks um, dribbling in from the from the left sideline in to beat Saudi Arabia's pressure. Saudi Arabia had brought three up to try to play with us a little bit. Uh, and Dest just sort of does a little retreat dribble and then cuts in a little bit, creates a little po- a little window to just hit a nice eight-yard pass to Tyler Adams, who's all alone. He, he didn't have a window to him when Dest first got the ball, but by that clever little, you know, Dest know-how... Um, we free up Tyler Adams to see the whole field. So those little things go a long way. There's a desk giveaway a few minutes later, 12th minute where he receives a long pass and just lets it roll under his foot and out of bounds. Just want to mention it. Cause it was, if you watch the game, you probably remember that it was not good. Um, happens, whatever. Le- 13th minute, a little misconnection between Pepe and Reina in the center circle. So it's kind of a moment of transition. Uh, boss pops up for Pepe. He tries to nod it down to Reina going forward and they can't quite sync up. I just don't think we're synced up in general. Like sometimes we are, but uh, not consistently in rhythm with each other on the team. I don't know what that's about. I don't, I can't explain it. Let's talk about the next, the, the big Saudi chance here. It's in the 13th minute. I mentioned it earlier, but Dest is doing well to break the press in our, in our corner, our, deep left corner and uh, he tries to play it to Adams. Adams isn't moving into the window. I think the way Dest assumed he would and the ball goes past Adams. It's just a fairly simple pass, but it goes past him uh, across the, across the top of the box trickles to Albiri Khan. He squares it for, for Bahebri and he touches it wide a few times and has a left footed shot that, you know, never looked like it was going to go in. And I, I, I gotta say Saudi Arabia did, despite all how depressing this performance was, it wasn't like Saudi Arabia looked like they were going to score either. So no, Saudi Arabia looked like they didn't care to be there, uh, which is just, again, it's the nature of some of these friendly. So um, no, they weren't, you know, if we want to talk about our lack of commitment to join the attack, like Saudi Arabia didn't look terribly committed to joining the attack or joining the defense. <laughs> 14th minute, a little bit of a chance for the U.S. Zimmerman plays a diagonal to Yedlin, and he combines neatly with Reyna, who springs him down the line. This is the one where we're talking about Reyna veering off to the touchline. 
Um, Yellen's, Yellen's cross falls into the mixer. So it fell at least into a dangerous area, but gets cut out. Uh, Acosta tries from distance and hits it over. And it's, it, I feel like it's at this point where you're starting to be like, man, Zimmerman is hitting some dimes. Uh, yeah. Again, he's under no pressure. Like there, this isn't pressure and there's, he, he gets to wait for whichever wide receiver is like making the, the free route, whichever one breaks free. Uh, so these aren't, these aren't like high level of difficulty balls, but it's promising to see it. Uh, the combination play here is good. And I'm actually going to give Yedlin credit here. I mean, I want to say credit. This is the right pass. I think this is the right time to cross. I guess if you cross every time you get it, then occasionally you're going to get it right. But this was the time to do it, right? We had, we had like, I think a three on two in the box at this point. So this Did is, we? yeah, this is a pretty good, this is a pretty good chance right here. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll take this one. We just want to, when we're in the film room, be like, this is the time to do it. These other times, not the time to do it. Yeah, it was, and it was McKenney up there too. So we've got McKenney, Pulisic, Pepe's making a near post run. It's, uh, Pepe brings his guy out. If we get it over that first runner, if we get it over Pepe, it's Pulisic and McKenney two on one at the penalty spot. Okay. 15 minute mark, we get that long giveaway we talked about where he tried to hit a switch and then just passed it to the, the left wing for Saudi Arabia. Um, Bahebri, I think it was kind of embarrassing uh 16th minute nice bit of buildup and a good diagonal from Yedlin to Pulisic from right to left and Pulisic takes a horizontal touch just like McKinney did to try to cut in atop the box and he gives it away he just runs into another defender doesn't get a shot off and this is one where maybe Pulisic could have touched it over to Pepe on his second touch instead of trying to continue uh whatever he was attempting to do um but the fact remains like when you look at this as Yedlin hits that ball upfield and it's going to Pulisic at the top of the box. By the time like Pulisic is taking the second touch, Pulisic and Pepe are still the only players in the frame. Like no one else is is up here joining with him. So it's hard to be like Pulisic can't be so selfish and just lose it here. If he's going to soccer with people, in this case, he needed more people to soccer with. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to soccer, even if he is joined by a bunch of people, but. <laughs> I guess he, I guess I guess we can assume he would. Seventeenth minute, uh, decent set piece to Pulisic from Reyna. Looked like he was trying to catch them by surprise because Zimmerman was still walking up to set up in the box, and then uh, so Pulisic sort of meets the ball unmarked at a acute angle from the goal, tries to head it in, and misses comfortably. Maybe I mean Stu Holden said on the broadcast maybe he even had time to take it down and have a hit. I don't know. Maybe Pulisic isn't going to be our strongest header, but it's this is a smart play. Like this is a smart, smart piece of soccer from Giorena. Yeah. Um, nice little run in the 18th minute from Dest, and he plays it to Pepe's feet, back to goal in the box. Uh, this is where Pepe gets kind of little brothered, but manages to lay it off roughly to the top of the box, and nobody, not McKenny, not Pulisic. Uh, is making that second run, and Dest is. I think Dest is kind of trying to make the run, but he gets knocked knocked down off the ball. Yeah, is this the Doyle clip? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we could have gotten a foul for for the guy cleaning Dest out and not letting him continue his run. Uh, referee was letting a lot of things go, which is fine in these conditions. I need we we need our boys to toughen up a little bit anyway. Um, <laughs> do you so really think as, that? So, so long as yeah, I really do. Uh, you can't expect favors from the referee. Like you gotta you got you gotta take it yourself. Uh, no one was really doing like leg breakers up until Yedlin got his leg broken. So, uh, yeah, that one was bad. So, so yeah, um, 
I don't know. This this was one where I just felt like the rotations had led to everyone kind of being slightly off of, of their marks. But um, I do want to say, you know, I'd kind of given Pulisic the pass. There were a lot of times where the guy, when the when the upfield player would rotate backwards, right, to you know get that circular motion where they come back and then the wide player, whoever McKenney, then runs into the vacated space ahead of them and then they circle back. Uh, I did feel like the player checking back too often. Um, once we hit that ball upfield, again we, we talked about this, but you could see they would just keep drifting backwards, right? They would be like, okay, well I'm out of the play by by coming back to create the rotation. Now I'm done, and that really was where it needed to be like. You create the opening, but then once it's up, you've got it. You've got to start joining again. And, and the guy who was doing it the best uh, is everyone's favorite player, Paul Ariola, which is probably not that much of a surprise. Yeah, nineteenth minute. So don't worry. This timeline is gonna is gonna thin out a lot as we go, but still got quite a few things. Nineteenth uh, minute, Pulisic bounces it off McKenney and gets a crisp return pass down the line, runs onto it, and I thought this was a this was. Uh, the right choice, in my opinion, tries to fizz the ball across for Pepe. Pepe, Pepe has a little, I think he has a little room between him and the goalkeeper for that ball to get in there and for him to tap it in. But the, but the ball isn't good enough. It's uh it's a little bit behind Pepe. It's cut out for a corner by the center back. I think that's exactly right. And I, I think it's tough. It's not an easy ball to play, but that's, it's the right ball. No. And we just didn't quite, uh, yeah, get the distance of the pass right. It just needs to be another foot and a half, two feet away from the center back, but it can't be any farther from that or it's the goalkeeper's ball. So that's the window he had to hit it in. If he hits it in that window, we've got a, we've got a pretty good chance there for our guy, Pepe. Yeah. It's a really nice combination from him and McKenney too, the 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 quickness of it. And uh, yeah, it was good. 20th minute, uh, Reyna chases a desk diagonal ball into the corner and exerts himself considerably to win a cage match and recycle possession back to Adams. I kind of wonder if he strained his muscle here. I mean, he was really, he was really reaching around with both legs. Uh, because after that, he kind of, he did kind of quiet down. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm making all this up, but it's, it's five minutes later that he asked to be uh, taken off. In any Poor event, again, perfect example of the presence on the ball that you get from Gio Reyna because he just makes this look easy. Uh, yeah. The way he absorbs, like, I mean, he takes a shot. The guy comes in, not not a dirty one again, like an upper body shot uh, by that defender who arrives. And it just barely phases him. Uh, and then he takes another shot and actually goes to ground. And even while he's on the ground, he is, like, maintaining control of the ball and the entire uh, situation with his body strength uh, and positioning and leverage. So it's it's good to see this kind of thing happen because this is the kind of thing that will play in a World Cup when – you know, ugly soccer is necessary. And it's like, this is, this is, uh, Gio Reyna showcasing his ability to like ugly soccer it up in, in, yeah. in the most positive way. Right. I mean, yeah, we'll talk about his injury in a second. Uh, poor giveaway from Zimmerman with his left foot in the 21st minute doesn't come to anything. So, so it's okay. 22nd, 22nd minute, we get some joy for Yedlin in the right cor- corner, but for the second time, his cross is dealt with easily by the Saudi defenders. Did you think he should have crossed on this one? Yeah, this was probably his worst decision to cross here. Uh, this is him and Reyna. Reyna just sets him in um, into the corner like by himself. And then if you freeze the frame when he makes his choice, uh, we have three attackers in the box. And Saudi Arabia have seven. So it's three on seven. This is a surrender. This is surrendering. Uh, we're not going to 
get reliable goal scoring chances out of this. Um, even with PFOC in the game, and we didn't bring our guy to to you know specialize in these situations. You you have to like give up the cross here and be like, we're not ready yet. So you got to wait for Acosta to join in. You got to wait for Reina to come play again. You're under no pressure. So hitting this ball is a is a mid range jumper early early in the shot clock. Okay, twenty fourth minute, we get a chance for the U.S. Pulisic dribbles well down the left wing and tries to tuck it in to McKenney in the box right in the corner of the box and McKinney can't really handle the pass, but it skips through and kind of spills to Adams at the top of the box. He takes a touch to his right and hits it pretty well on the ground, just wide of the post, kind of a worm burner and uh, probably our most, our best chance of the game. Unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, this was close and uh, we did most of the things right here, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I like the instinct to try to combine with McKenney there. It didn't come off, it, and it's just kind of lucky that it f- fell to Adams out there. But you put the defense in that kind of under that kind of pressure, you are you are going to get opportunities at the top of the box, right? I think th- we're we're kind of just saying the same thing. That's what it's going to come down to is we do need a little bit crisper execution, and then we do need we do need more of these kinds of things in volume. Okay. We got an Acosta giveaway in the tw- in the twenty fifth minute in the right corner where he just misses Yedlin, and that, that sort of seems emblematic of the game in retrospect. Twenty uh, sixth minute, number twenty seven chops down Dest moving from the left line. Reina takes the ensuing free kick and it sails through. And at the next stoppage, about twenty six forty on the clock, Reina asks for a sub from Burhalter. He says Greg, and then he does the you know. What is it? The the water wheel moving motion, <laughs> the paddle the paddle wheel, uh, and and then he kicks the ball out of bounds. The next time it comes to him, and he came off the field before a half hour was gone. I I blacked out basically when that happened, and um, I'm somewhat comforted by the report of it being precautionary, uh, which has been repeated a lot since the game, but I'm still worried, and I think he is worried just looking at his face during the game. Giovanni looks, looked worried. So like it being precautionary is good, I guess, but it, it also at another point, it's like, what does it matter? If, if like, we know that he's going to play for 40 minutes and then have to come out for, for a precautionary tightness, then it, then he's not available, right? Like it, whether he's, you know, in the training room because he's out for eight weeks or whether he, he has to come out of the game because he's got tightness. It does. It's the same effect. So it's worrying to say the least, because he just can't get through any kind of a return to full play without this kind of even minor setback. So, you know, okay, good. Maybe we can get 15 minutes from him in Qatar. Yeah. 15 minutes, three times. So 45 minutes. Yeah, We'd take it. Yeah. I mean, it's a sort of, got to we got to prepare ourselves for that eventuality. Ariola came on for him and did his thing which is to bring a lot of energy and effort and uh joining in the attack after recycling back into the in the middle of the field rotating that is. Uh but we lost a lot of our cutting edge without Reina, I thought because he is our most cutting player and the game suffered in his absence. We generated three shots in the rest of the match 
And the best one was off a sloppy Saudi Arabia giveaway. So I don't even know how much we should talk about the rest of the match, but I guess I, <laughs> I, we do we do have to talk about it. Thirty third minute, we get a McKenny giveaway in the middle in the middle off a throw in. So he just gets just kind of gets blown up, and I thought he was not good. I know I said that already. I just didn't think Wes McKenney. I don't think Wes McKenney's looked good in either of these games. That's part of the perfect storm of this whole thing. Is you know he was good against even away at Canada that game we lost 2-0. McKenney was bossing big parts of that game. He was bossing nothing yesterday. I thought he was, uh, and I think that, that country, you know, we don't have Musa. We have Dest, who looks a, maybe a little bit uh, out, of, out of form, out of rhythm. We don't have our, our first choice center backs. Uh, we haven't figured out the striker position. Reyna comes off injured, and McKenney has probably his two worst games in a long time. I guess that's the perfect storm. Anyway, should I go back to the timeline, or do you want to respond to my I, stuff? I thought McKenny was okay in this game, and I thought his I thought he was effective getting deep. Uh, I thought his runs were effective in either creating that you know depth for himself to receive the ball from Zimmerman almost always, uh, or for um, us to force the defense to you know react to that, and then in the recycling rotation, losing track of the next guy who would make the forward run. So I thought McKenny was okay uh, on this play in particular. I hate to throw into him. Like, I know this is like a youth soccer thing, but Tyler Adams, you're the defensive mid. If you're taking the throw in, you're clearly out of position. Don't throw the ball horizontally uh, to another center mid. Like, it's really the worst ball to deal with for a center mid because you just have to wait for it to get to you, and it's a fairly long throw. And so the whole time you're getting collapsed on from all sides. Um, so I hate the throw in already. And then... Fair enough. Uh, and then Tyler Adams does a really poor job in recovering here. Like... He, he, he tries to make up for it all at once. I'm not saying he even is saying it's his mistake. McKenney does lose it, and McKenney can do better. Um, we put him in a bad spot. But Adams' recovery, um, I think he gets all wrong. So he runs to, like, the outside of uh, the play here. Uh, so, like, I hated that Adams made his recovery run the way he did and chose to control the areas of the pitch that he chose to control here. Did you... Sorry, did you already finish the the actual sequence? No, no, okay. but the, but you but you you but you help explain. Well, I'll you that's that's plenty good. I mean the the after McKinney gives it away, uh, he chases Al Birikan down to the corner somewhat ineffectively. I guess Adams was chasing as well. Uh, he the Saudi striker finds a teammate with a pass to the top of the box, wide open. Destin McKinney both hold another attacker on side as they're trying to get back. And he's that attacker is played into the Man City zone. He cuts it back. Only a Yedlin, a desperate Yedlin block and a slightly wayward pass in the scramble prevented a goal there. Yeah, so this this one for me, one, you know, once McKenney's lost it, this is on Adams because his recovery run is just, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Like what you, you freeze frame it when Saudi Arabia finally have the ball deep in the corner and we've got three guys there. McKenney is tripped and is falling down. Death sort of has the path to goal cut off. And Tyler Adams is like behind them and off towards the sideline. Like he's not doing anything. So two of our center mids are now completely out of the play. Kellen Acosta has come over to help, which he needs to. Um, but Acosta gets sort of pulled over by the near post run uh, once once they kind of get beyond us. And that's why there's a huge spot in the in the midfield for Saudi Arabia to hit their window. And that's the guy who delivers the ball in that creates all the problems. Okay. 
So anyway, just seemed like a, a at, like an Adam's awareness thing. And he's had a couple of those in this window that are, again, enough for me to like worry about his his lockdown effectiveness, where we kind of started to take that for granted. Everything's going to be solved by the return of Yunus Musa, <laughs> including Tyler Adams's defensive awareness. We get a good switch in the 35th minute from Acosta to Yedlin, and he's offside by at least two yards with the whole Saudi back line to look at. Come on, man. I, 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 don't, I don't understand that. And yeah, we're actually doing a good job of playing over their, over their block, but we can't do much with it, which I guess we've talked about a lot already. That's, that was the game for me. I mean, that's the whole game. We, we did well to take what Saudi Arabia was giving us. And then once we took it, couldn't do a thing. Yeah. I appreciate McKinney that McKinney made good runs down the channel, but you know, if he can't, if he's not doing anything with them, I don't know how much I, I can make those runs, you know, it'll come, it'll come that that's where bringing in Tim Weah, uh, that's where it's going to, we've already solved it. We've got Musa coming. We've got Weah coming. That's the, that's our solution. That's how we're going to keep ourselves afloat for the next month and a half. <laughs> okay. I thought we had a decent little spell of being on the front foot late in the second half. We went a corner on one of those diagonals from Adams to Yedlin. Corner kick falls to Adams. He tries a left-footed half volley from just inside the box, and it's blocked off his foot. What did you think of Pepe? You think he? it's impossible to grade him in this first half because of everything? Yes. I mean, he, he was he was fine. Again, the way we were attacking meant that he wasn't going to be the focal point. You know, we weren't going to be uh, playing it into his feet uh, where he would settle into pockets in the zone. That's not what was on. What was on were these big switches to Yedlin uh, or McKenney running up or even Pulisic at times. So that's what we did, and that's what we should do. And then the decisions to cross it over and over again just means that if, that, if that's the plan, if that's what we're going to do, then PFOC should be our striker. If that's not the plan, uh, then we should stop doing those things. So um, none of that's on Pepe or, or his performance. It just, it's, I don't know that he did anything to change his case one way or the other. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've sort of given up trying to figure out what Berhalter's going to do next, but I think he lacks that pitch presence that you've been talking about the last few weeks uh, where you can sort of wrestle wrestle control of a game um from chaos he's not he's not gonna do that much the same way Jesus Ferreira is not I don't think like in an individual I'm talking about an individual sort of physical battle primarily and I you know given that we don't have any sort of reliable way of creating chances anyway I don't know we need that we need that from somebody what do you have for the second half, Greg? I feel like I've been talking a lot. <laughs> uh, I thought mostly uh, <laughs> no one's going to like this. The guy, the guy who was like doing the most in the second half for me was Ariola, um, but he still wasn't doing that much, right? I mean, he was like doing a lot of the early work well, uh, and he was making good movements. And we, we were finding him in like good spaces, um, but then it was sort of the same thing either. His actual execution once he got in those spaces was not great. Or usually, like, he didn't have a lot of help um, because we weren't committing with energy uh, players around him. Uh, we don't have to go through all of his all of his involvements. Um, but but that, that's kind of what my takeaway was. I thought our, our balls over the top got less effective, I, I've already mentioned, because 
it seemed like we were less discriminating with when and where we hit them. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think we needed to do a better job of ignoring the first runner. I feel like we got into the habit of just going like, oh, the guy's going, I'm going to hit it towards him. Even if, again, Saudi Arabia's defense was accounting for that runner and we hadn't you know, created the opening yet. Um, I thought a ton of times uh, when it was uh, where we would hit that ball, usually to like Ariola, we were hitting it up to Ariola a lot. And it's like, he's not, he doesn't, he is not a target winger. You guys like don't hit that ball up to him. But he, his movement was doing a decent job of like con- uh, occupying Saudi Arabia's defense. And then it should have been over to Scali or over to uh, Yedlin. Like we should have skipped Ariola and just hit it, done a big Hollywood switch over to the right flank, even if it's not getting the guy in behind. That's what was on, and then we could have attacked from there. But we we kind of kept hammering on that deep ball forward, more vertical, rather than using the vertical run to open up the width. It's it's boring stuff, and again, some of the stuff we, that we've spent all this time on just won't exist because that those vertical fly routes just aren't going to be on against a team that sits a little bit deeper, uh, and they'll be less on against a team that's putting more pressure on our quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We've really gone heavy on the... Um... American football analogies <laughs> in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I was, was going to make a, I was going to do an American baseball reference and do some talk about how teams can just run a shift on, on air long because he can't, he can't make so many passes, but oh yeah, that'd be I good. left it out. I thought that'd be too. I mean, no one likes baseball. No one likes it. No, a lot of people do. Um, we have, uh, let's see. Nothing really Super dangerous from Saudi Arabia in the second half. Um, there's a brutal tackle. I mean, there's a dangerous tackle from Abdul Hamid on DeAndre Yedlin, which we men- mentioned probably should have been a red card, but not in a friendly, I guess. The big chance for the U.S. comes in the second half. I guess this is the best chance we had of the game. The ball, there's a giveaway from Saudi Arabia. Ball trickles to Ariola, and he squares Ferreira at the penalty marker. I thought Ferreira did a nice job to control this quickly and hit it well kind of on the volley but it, he hits it right more or less right at the keeper that's, that's in the 61st minute yeah. yeah that's his mo right like he's got a very clean set and shot prep touch shot and and we got another look at it there uh we, we had a few of those giveaways that we created we created saudi giveaways uh and again ariola was kind of the guy on the spot there um uh, we get another one later where ferrera sets up ariola with a nice little touch into the box uh but yeah, it was by then it felt like both teams were mostly going through the motions. The the one other thing I think we should take away from this is Joe Scali came on at the hour mark. Oh yeah. So that that's when <clears throat> Ferreira came on, uh Scali came on and McKenzie came on. And I feel like I don't know if you were doing a hypothetical earlier when you said that McKenzie's done played himself out of the World Cup or if you really think that, but it seems to me that Scally and McKenzie are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. I thought Scally played really well. He at least provided some energy, some ball security, a little bit of forward thrust for us at right back. Looked like a honestly a better player than DeAndre Yedlin in those limited minutes. Uh, and then McKenzie, McKenzie just can't iron out the mistakes. I mean, there were some. There was a particularly bad giveaway in the 64th minute. You know three minutes after he comes on. Uh, and I think he had a couple others as well. So, and, and the one thing he didn't offer in this game, he didn't give us any of those positive passing moments either. So uh, that's got to be his bread and butter. If he's going to justify the risk of his mistakes, 
then we've got to see that improved passing. Otherwise, it's like, okay, well, Aaron Long won't pass the ball at all. But fewer mistakes, I guess. <laughs> uh, and again, that's that's only in the hypothetical where we're, we're creating the false binary where those are the only two choices available. Yeah, boy, I hope that's not the binary. Walker yeah. Zimmerman. But yeah, Scally was good. Uh, Brendan Aronson not, came on and played center midfielder and did not look like a very good center midfielder. I feel like that's worth noting just because we are still talking about what our central midfield contingencies are in the event of injuries. And if, you know, Luca De La Torre ran out of leash, which seems premature, um, and we tested out Brendan Aronson there, that didn't look like a good fit in this game. No, and yet... And yet there Taylor Twelman was in his bathtub shouting that Brendan Aronson should be the starter at the World Cup. Stu said it on the broadcast. <laughs> oh, did he, said, did he say it too? That, yeah, I mean, he was a little bit more like uh, reserved, almost like reluctant, but like, yeah, yeah, he's in my, he's got to be in the, he's got to be in the starting line. Oh yeah, he did say that. So I don't know, I don't know what's, what's going, going on. What's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's it for the chronology on my end. We're almost an hour and a half in here. The <laughs> The positive take here, I guess, is that we're, well, why don't, why don't you give us what you, sort of the, the positive scenario? The positive scenario for me is that uh, our defense remains organized. Um, you know, almost all the chances we gave up, ironically, were from bad giveaways from the defense. So we can cut those out by just being like, hey, you guys don't need to play as much soccer because the soccer you're playing isn't getting us anywhere. Uh, don't play soccer, just defend. Uh, I don't think we're going to do that. So the next thing would be choosing different players to play in that in those center back spots. But overall, like our team defensive structure has been sound since Burhalter took over. That can get you a long way at a World Cup. Our goalkeeper's outrageous. Uh, if he If he plays like that in Qatar, that can get us a long way in a World Cup. Um, so we, we then just have to hope that our offensive woes are at least improved by the return of some players who were our most effective players offensively in World Cup qualifying. I don't think that's a reach, right? Tim Weah and Jedi Robinson, for me, were by far the most influential attacking players through World Cup qualifying. So it's not a reach at all to say adding them back in is going to make us a better attacking team. Yeah. Just maybe not the team we thought we were promised by Berhalter when he became coach. You know, this like flowing attacking soccer that I think we all kind of thought was po- possible. Probably not possible at this all point. Right. I'll say Berhalter saying that in his press conference in 2019 did not make me think that it was a, a sure thing. So I'm not like, oh man. But but yes, like... Because uh, every we, manager says that kind of stuff basically. Yeah. But we don't look any. We don't particularly look any closer to it, the system wise, now than we did in 2019. So it's it's very much contingent on. Seems to be if it's going to be successful, it's going to be contingent on two or three players, uh, returning to the team and getting us back into uh, a more. I don't even want to say it. Just a more competent attack. Yeah, Moose is going to give us more hold on a game more of a foothold in a game and ability to sort of move the ball forward where and Jedi are going to give us some cut and thrust, which we don't have much of that. That is about the only thing we can cling to uh, possession wise, attacking wise. But it's good to point out that the defense is sound. Uh, I also think Destin McKenney are going to probably be play better. 
I mean, Adest didn't play badly, but McKenny, I think I stand by McKenny being pretty poor in this last game, but uh, I think he'll play better at the World Cup. The other thing to cling to again is that we just focus more on playing against the ball, which you can do. You can sort of commit to playing against the ball uh, in a game. So um, if we go that route, that that's another way that we've shown we can we can play at a decent level. So that's the that's sort of the other optimistic uh, or the other reason for for cautious optimism. Okay. Uh. We'll end with some cautious optimism. That's a good place to end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's never as bad as you think it is, never as good as you think it is. Isn't that what everybody in every industry and every sort of vocation says? Uh, 2017 of October 2017 was as bad as we thought it was. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I'm just and I'm just saying, like, I know we're going to the World Cup. But I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, the World Cup is a party. But if we do, if we have 270 minutes... Of the of the last hundred eighty minutes, like that would be pretty bad. I guess uh, you know on a technicality, it'd be better than missing altogether, but only barely. It's true. It might be really bad. All right, I won't ask anybody to sign up to the Patreon today. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see ya. <laughs>